We thank you for dwelling in your presence. It is where we always want to be. We say thank you for being in our midst this morning. Thank you, Lord God, for meeting us at the point of our needs. Thank you for your divine visitation in our midst today. Holy Spirit, will you to you, we say teach us today, open our eyes to the revelation of the word of God. Lord God, that will grow and become all that you intend us to be. I thank you for your people. Lord, I pray that they will not only be hearers, but they will be doers of your word. We, oh God, I pray in the name of Jesus that you will take us, oh God, to that place in you where we enjoy your presence. Thank you, Lord. Bless your people this morning. In Jesus' name, I pray with thanksgiving. Amen. Genesis chapter, I mean, Exodus chapter 20, verses 2 and 3. That's where we begin in Exodus chapter 2, 20, verses 2 and 3. Praise the Lord. Are we there? Are we there yet? <laughs> Praise the Lord. Brother Joel, we got it there. Exodus 20, 2 and 3. In verse 2, it reads, I am the Lord your God who rescued you from the land of Egypt, the place of your slavery. And in verse 3, you must have, you must not have any other gods but me. Let us go to Proverbs chapter 20, verse 6. Proverbs chapter 20. Proverbs chapter 20, verse 6. Do we have it? Many will say they are loyal friends. Many will one say they are loyal friends. But who can find one who is truly reliable? The question, the question, if you read in another in the King James translation, it reads like this. They say, many will come in his work. Most men will proclaim everyone his own goodness. But a faithful man who can find. That's how it reads in the King James version. A faithful man who can find. It is also referring to as, but who can, but who can find one who is truly, truly reliable? Praise the Lord. And we'll end up in Luke chapter 16, verses 10 to 13. Luke chapter 16, verses 10 to 13. Praise the Lord. Luke 16, 10 to 13. If you are faithful in little things, you will be faithful in large ones. But if you are dishonest in little things, you won't be honest with greater responsibility. 11. If you are untrustworthy about what they worth, who will trust you with the true riches of heaven? 
And if you are not faithful with other people's things, why should you be trusted with things of your own? And the last verse, no one can serve two masters, for you will hate one and love the other. You will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and be enslaved to money. Praise the Lord. This morning, I will be sharing on what I term from a topic I term as spiritual adultery. Spiritual one? Adultery. I say idolatry, spiritual adultery. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. That's what I'll be sharing on this morning. Spiritual one? Adultery. As we read in the passage, the very passage that we read, the questions, the questions that continue to come out from those various passages or the central theme that continue to come out from those various passages of scripture has to do with a simple word is the word of being faithful. Praise the Lord. I'm not even going to where Paul tells us we deal with that in a later discussion of the word of God where Paul tells us that stewards are required by God to be one, faithful. I'm not even discussing that today. But I just going, I'm going to discuss this part of the account concerning what the problem of the church today. And when I talk about the church, I'm not talking about any, I'm not talking about the building. I'm talking about us as individuals. People, the, the, we are the church. Collectively, we make up the church. Praise the Lord. We are the call of ones. And so, one of the major problems in these last days that, that is playing the church is spiritual adultery. We know in natural life, how we, we, we consider adultery to be, how many of you are acquainted with the natural, you know about the natural adultery? In relationships, you, you, many, of you, many of us don't, don't, don't ascribe ourselves to adultery when a husband or a wife get, when a man marry a woman, they get in a relationship. Uh, what do they require of each other? The thing that is required in that relationship is what? Is being faithful to each other. Is that true? You that are married, is that true? What, what is one of the most things that you require from your wife is not how good she cooks? Eh? Is that how good she cooks? Is that what you require? No. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Even some of you, except uh, some of those wives then that don't care, but there are some wives then that don't even care how much their husband make, but what they require most of all is faithfulness. Am I speaking, am I speaking something true? If I'm saying true, look at your neighbor and say, Pastor, you're saying something true. 
For you who are not married, for you who are not married, you who the single men and the single women, you know, I mean, it's one of the things that you want when you desire to get a husband or a wife, you want to know whether that person will be faithful to you. Huh? Am I saying something? Uh, 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 this place sounds like I'm so, talking something strange that you don't know about. Faithfulness is one of the major requirements in a relationship. In a relationship, we require faithfulness. Is that true? Okay. If we require faithfulness in a relationship, when it comes to God, does God require faithfulness? In, we are in a relationship with God. Does God require faithfulness from us? Does God require faithfulness from us? Yes. Eh? Yes. But when it comes to us as a church, as individuals, can we truly say that we are faithful to God? If we are asked that question concerning our faithfulness, can we can many of us stand your boldly if Jesus will come and stand in this church this Sunday and ask you and myself, are you faithful? Can you answer that question with all any reservation that you are faithful to him? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. That you are faithful to him, but you not cheating on your wife doesn't mean that you are faithful to God. Because that's all sometimes we think about. Because I'm not cheating on my wife, so now I'm faithful to God. It goes beyond just being not cheating on your wife. Yes, relationship-wise, with a husband and wife, it is right that, I mean, it is wrong for you to cheat on your wife. It is unfaithfulness. But when it comes to the kingdom of God, when it comes to our relationship with God, God requires the same thing. That, this is why Paul said, when I speak about the marriage relationship, I speak about the church. This is a mystery that has to do with the church. Say with the church. The marriage relationship is like the church. Amen. All these marriage things that God placed together was to teach us how the church should behave itself. How we should behave ourselves in the church as Christians, as believers. Amen. But when you look in the church today, you have a bunch of unfaithful people in the church. Amen. Unfaithful. And unfaithfulness is what is causing the church to degenerate. Praise the Lord. Unfaithfulness is killing the church. Praise the Lord. And so we need to examine. It is time that you and myself as the church examine ourselves. Because I can tell you what God rewards. God rewards faithfulness. This is why we read Genesis, I mean Exodus chapter 20, verse 2, 2 and 3. God said, you shall have no other God before me. Why you think God in the Ten Commandments that he gave to Moses to give to the children of Israel, he started off with that. 
You shall have no other God. They didn't want the children of Israel to be unfaithful to him. Having another God was like unfaithfulness to your wife or to your husband. And God said, you shall have no other gods before me. And so today we have forgotten, the church has forgotten about this serious part of our, our commitment to God, faithfulness. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And so we need to come back to that place in our own lives that we become faithful to God. And so, in Proverbs chapter 25, 6, many of you will say, I'm good. I am good. Many of you proclaim your own goodness. You say good things about yourself. Amen. I can pray, I can fast, I can do this, I can do that. All. But a faithful man, who can find? It is not just you doing these things, but how faithful are you? Hallelujah. That's what matters. How faithful are you? By you doing these activities to God, it's not that important. Yeah, it's good for your spiritual exercise, but what is important is God is asking a faithful man who can I find? Faithful people are hard to come about these days. Faithful men, faithful women are hard to come about these days. Everybody proclaims that they are good. Everybody says good things about themselves. But when it comes to their faithfulness to God, there is no faithfulness. Are you following me, church? Huh? And Jesus crying it up in Luke chapter 16, where he clearly tells us that if you are not able to commit, if you are not able to be faithful with what is another's man's, who you think will give you your own? You think God will ever give you your own? God is not stupid. God is all wise. And God knows that you are not faithful in what is another's man. He asked the question, Jesus said, you think God will give you your own? You have to be faithful in what is another's man. What another man commit to you, you need to be faithful with it. If you are given a responsibility and you leave that responsibility, and it's not better than when you started, when you were given it, you have not been faithful. Amen. That's how faithfulness is measured. If you are given a responsibility by God, and you leave that responsibility is not better than when you started, it means you are not faithful with it. Amen. And God requires us to be what? He requires us to be faithful. And so when we are not faithful to God, it means that you, we are cheating on God. Just the way you can say the man cheating on me, we are cheating on God. We are cheaters. Amen. Look at your neighbor and say, I hope you're not cheating on God. You are not God che you are not a God cheater. I want you to say to your neighbor, say, neighbor, I hope you're not cheating on God. 
And so this morning, uh, afternoon, I want to ask you, are you cheating on God? Are you cheating on God? Spiritually, I'm talking about spiritual adultery. Are you cheating on God as a child of God? And the questions that I'm going to address will determine if you are cheating on God or not. The first question that I want to ask you is your relationship with God burdensome. If you see your relationship as God as burdensome, many of us see it as a burden to serve God. Huh? Praise the Lord. Why do you think people don't come to church? Because they see it as a burden. Why do you think people don't get, want to be involved? When it comes to social activity, they got all the energy. But when it comes to the things of God, when it comes to their own personal well-being, their own money-making activity, they are more zealous, they are more stronger. But when it comes to the things of God, there is no zeal. It, it means that you see the things of God as a burden. It's a burdensome. If you as a believer, you, are, you, you the things of God is not motivating you, it is not like the psalmist said, I was glad when they said unto me, let us go in the house of the Lord. And you are there completely and grumbling when it comes to do something for God. You got all the excuses. It is a burden. That's what makes it a burden. And if you make the things of God a burden, if it is burdensome, it means that you are cheating on him. Because he said you should have nothing, you should not set anything as priority over him as he. You should not have any idol beside, be, I mean, you should not make anything an idol in your life that take his place. Are you following me, church? Are you following me? Hallelujah. This thing about church business is not just, I just show up. When I want to show up, it's commitment. This thing about serving God is about commitment. You're in a relationship. Praise the Lord. Amen. Hallelujah. Are you following me this morning? When God is in the ultimate desire of your heart, a relationship with him, your relationship with him will be burdensome. When God is not the ultimate desire of your heart, your relationship with him will be burdensome, just like the marriage relationship. Praise the Lord. Where husbands see their wife as a burden. Where wives see their husband as a burden. There are some relationships that the husband see their wife as they were, as a burden to them. They forget that they are in a relationship. But they think that the woman is a burden to them or the man is a burden to her. Because the, re the simple reason is that in that relationship, there is no ultimate desire. The, the hard desire for each other is not there. And they see each other as a burden. Are you following me? Are you following me? So we need to make this thing right. We need to make things right with God. Let us stop playing with God and make things right. Praise the Lord. Amen. Spiritual adultery has taken over the believers today. 
people come to church, but they are committing spiritual adultery. They are living in adultery. They are cheating on God. Not only with people think that we're cheating on God, only money. No. Your relationship with him, your time with him. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Are you following me? Is your relationship with God burdening some? Amen. You need to answer that question as individuals. You need to write that question down and answer it as an individual. Is my relationship with God burdensome? Do I see God's business as a burden that is burdensome? Oh, I got to go to church again. You, when you talk about going to serve God, it becomes a problem. Hallelujah. 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 And God is speaking to many of us in this church. Many of, the reason why this church is empty is because people see the, see, coming to, see the things of God as a burden. That's what, that is one of the being relational things. They see it as a burden. Oh, uh, Sunday again, if you didn't come here again, I wish Sunday would have never come. I want to be about my own business. The God business here, I'm tired of green about it. So when people begin to act like that, when, when, when other things take priority about God's business, it tells you that that person sees God's business as burdensome. May God have mercy upon us. Because if God don't have mercy upon us, the Bible tells us that just as the day of Noah was, so our days will be. There will be eating, there will be drinking, there will be merrymaking. Eh? There will be what? Merrymaking. Who said in the days they were not hearing the preaching? They were hearing the preaching, the warning sound was going forth. But they were what? Merrymaking. They didn't have time. They saw God's business as burdensome. So I want to say to you answer that question. Is your relationship with God burdensome? If it is burdensome, you need to check yourself and say, God forgive me of, for me making my relationship with you burdensome. It's time to even pray, God's business become a burden. It's time to even fast, God's business become the, a burden. It's time to read your Bible, God's business become a burden. What is not a burden, but when it time to witness movie, when it time for entertainment, there is no burden. Look in between that and see. If, if this thing is happening to me, something must be wrong with me spiritually. Amen. Amen. Something must be wrong with what? With me spiritually. Number two. Where do you spend your time and your money? Where do you spend your time and your money? If God is not your heart, true desire, your time and your money will reflect it. Where you spend your time and your money will reflect it. If God is not the true or the ultimate desire of your heart, two things will reflect it. Why will we reflect it? Your time and your money. Where you spend your time, what you give time to, <laughs> hallelujah, and what you spend on. 
Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So many of us don't give to God because God is not my ultimate hard desire. He's just a young man by the side of the road that I can give him my chicken change. That's how we treat him, like a chicken change person. My leftover, he deserved my leftover. Hallelujah. That means I gave him when I feel like it. If I be passing by the side, I want to help someone that is begging me, I will not help them. The day I feel good, I help them. And that is the mindset that the church, that believers have in the church. So you check their money and you check the time. Where the time is being spent, where the money is being spent, you can know a person ultimate hard desire. Hallelujah. And imagine who gave you the, the so the question comes in, who has given you the time? Who the time belongs to? Amen. Who is the time belonging to? Like the rich man, the, the guy who built his barn and said, well, I have everything now. I have a lot of goods to live my life for many years. I will eat and drink and be merry. And God said to him, that Jesus said, that night, the Lord said to him, you fool, that soul is required of thee. Then what will happen with all that you are laying in stone? Praise the Lord. And that's how we walk. We spend our time laboring. And we put God, we don't give God any of the time. We have how many days in the week and we don't how many days in the week, how many hours in the week that we have to ourselves. Calculate your time, how much time you gave to God in the week, how many time you gave to your job, how many time you gave for sleeping, how many, calculate all those times. And you will see that God's time is the lesser one. You come to church even on Sunday, you're complaining about time. Are you following me? Are you following me? Yes. Don't say, well, pastor came to be, to be blasting. I come to blast. Time is the most valuable resources on life. It can be, it can be renewed or, or recycled. It is not for sale either. So it will make sense to look at your most valuable resources to determine your heart's greatest desire. Time is the one, is the most valuable resources that we have. So if your most valuable resources is time, praise the Lord. If we say your most valuable resources is our time, let us check how you spend your time, who you spend your time on. Hallelujah. 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 Many of us spend, <laughs> if I don't want to even go there, many of you, husband, you know your wife complains about you not spending time with her. Does your wife complains that, your husband complains that, either also. If you just walk in every day, from January to December, your, your husband will complain. 
or your wife will complain, you have no, I have no time with you. And that's why I can make people to fall into adultery. Some women then go get boyfriends, some men then go get girlfriend. Because go, go get girlfriend, I'm telling you. Because what? Because you get, you're not giving the person the time that is needed. You're not giving your wife the time that is needed. You're not giving the husband the time that is needed. You neglect it. So someone else, some that young boy, if you're older man, some that young boy will find that time with your wife. Oh, <coughs> oh you say Pastor Guam running him. Okay. <laughs> so you better be you better open your eyes. You better open your what? That your eyes, that your big eyes, you better open it. And begin to spend time with your wife and begin to spend time with your husband. Or someone will take it from you quick. And you say, oh, how did this happen? But it was your fault. You have no time with your husband or with your wife. It is the same old thing. The devil will take you away from God if you have no time with God. Okay. Praise the Lord. So you need to watch where, where you are spending your time. The time your time is your most one, is your most valuable resources that you have. And so you can cause yourself to commit adultery. You can cause yourself to commit adultery. You can cause your family to get into adultery because you deprive them of time. Spiritually, we have it also when it comes to our relationship with God. Praise the Lord. Number, number, number one, number three. What have you sacrificed most for? To show that you are cheating on God, what have you sacrificed most for? Praise the Lord. Many of us will sacrifice for other things. Many of us will skip church. But how many of us will skip other things for church? Hallelujah. I got to skip church to watch the football game. I got to skip church to do this. But how many of you will skip those things for the things of God? What have you sacrificed most for? Do you sacrifice most for the things of God? If your, if your sacrifice was, was measured by God this morning, will he see that your sacrifice is for him most than other things? Amen. Many of us, if our children and God were placed in the balance, we will what? We sacrifice for our children more than we sacrifice for God. <laughs> if there was a skill... My child and God, God, you got to wait. Uh, let me deal with it. Let me deal with it, child business. But God is the same God. I, I heard a, a kind of, I heard a story about this man of God. It's a true story. Who were traveling to go preach. And he received message that his child has died. And he said, God, I'm still going on my assignment. I'm still going to preach. It is your responsibility with my child. That's not my responsibility. 
he went and he preached everything after he got through preaching at the crusade that he was invited to. Then now he was, he turned to his, about his child business. When he turned back concerning his child, his child was alive. His child was alive. Because he knew who to prioritize, who to sacrifice the most for. The thousands of souls that were depending upon him to get saved, that God was depending upon him to lead to him. If he had neglected it because of his child, you are going to see the balance. No one would have told you, well, it is good to be, I'm not saying it's wrong to be caring about your family. But when God is in the, when, 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 when it has to do with God and anything else, you must prioritize it, number one. Did I say number two? I said what? Number one. Prioritizing, people say family come first, but God come first. That God that come first. No one should give you that analogy that family come first, God come first. So if you have been having that theology, I destroy it today in Jesus' name. God come first. Seek ye first the kingdom of God. That's what Jesus said. Seek ye first the kingdom of God. He didn't say, seek your family first. He said, seek ye first the kingdom of God, and all these things of life will be added unto you. So if you are not able to sacrifice most for God, it tells me that you are cheating on God. You're living in spiritual adultery. Amen. Just as if you are not able to sacrifice for your family, for your wife over other people, or your husband over other people. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Sometimes you, you, some of us don't, some of you don't even know the talent that your wife have until you see guests in your house. If a man of God can't stop with you in your house, you see your wife will get up. She will not get up some money to make breakfast for you as a husband. Oh, okay. You think I don't know those things then? She will never get up some money to make breakfast for you. But let someone come in the house. Oh, they up the first thing in the morning making breakfast for that person. Eh? They caring for that man of God or that person more than even the husband. The husband there sleeping, and he, he, he get up, he got, oh, my man, go make your own breakfast. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. But let someone come in. The thing that you think, you think that the person is doing for their husband. Eh? When I was in Liberia, I was telling my wife all the time, the bishop, I was stopping with his wife, was spoiling me because... She will beg, she will force me to eat in the morning. Pastor, you got to eat in the morning. You got to eat breakfast. So one day I was able to, I, I said, I hope this spoiling is spoiling me. I hope that's the same way you can spoil your husband. She said, yeah, Pastor, I can spoil my husband the same way. I said, that's good. Because if she had told me no, I was going to stop eating the breakfast from her. I'm going to stop eating it. You know why? Because... Her husband, she don't even prioritize in the home. 
Now I'm there, she prioritizing me like she, because it should be on a higher scale. Okay. Hallelujah. I'm not saying don't entertain stranger, don't take care of stranger, but it can cause those things when a man see those kinds of things. When a man see those kinds of things that you, the wife, you prioritizing another man more than him, that's what can bring problems in the marriage too. Huh? I know some people, some men, then they are jealous. They see you, they will, whether you have no relationship with that man, they will start putting relationship business between you and that man. And say, look like you, it looks like something going on between you. And it may not be nothing, you just try to be general. But why you can't be generous to your own husband or your own wife like that? Praise the Lord. If you sacrifice for statue, for fame, and the knowledge, then you do for the ultimate relationship with God. If God is not the one thing you sacrifice most for, you will sacrifice, you will sacrifice God when, you, when your one thing is threatened. If you are not able to sacrifice for God, the most for God, when it time for you to sacrifice something, it is God that you will sacrifice first. Say, God, I'm sacrificing you for this. And a lot of people in the church sacrifice God for other things. Praise the Lord. I can make this sacrifice, but God can wait. God, you can wait. I can make this sacrifice. Hey, you're not doing it to anyone. You're doing it to your own self. Because your spiritual life is being degraded. Your spiritual life is being degraded. Number four, when you are stressed, where do you turn for relief? When you are stressed, many of you yell in the, anyway, when I was not in the United States, I never used to hear the word stress. But when I came here, I began to hear the word stress. I never used to hear that word stress before. When I came here before I heard this word stress, everybody, I'm stressed, I'm stressed. Eh? Your husband laughed with you small, you're stressing me out. Your wife smile with you, you're stressing me out. Everybody's stressing or someone. What are that? Just some of us just use the word because we want to use it. Because it's a word that is in this country that can be used, so we use it. We don't even know the meaning of stress. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. But when you are truly stressed in life, when, 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 when the burdens of life, when the attack of life comes from every angle, and you don't know where to turn. I'm talking about real stress. I'm not talking about anything where you can be talking about stress around where there is no stress. Eh? Someone sucked to you, you're stressing me out. Oh, is that stress? Keep quiet. Where do the mean stress come? Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Wait until the mean stress comes, then you know whether, whether that stress or not. But when the turmoil of life begin to hit you, 
when things begin to go on the other side and you begin to feel that real the thing the real cause the thing they call real stress begin to hit you for true who do you turn to many people what they turn to some people turn to alcohol you know that some people turn to what some people turn to drugs some people turn to shopping when they are stressed then they go the real stress then they go start shopping some women there oh when i stress i can go shopping i will use all the money then when they stress over now no money then they broke I used the money because I was, I was under stress. I was <laughs> Hallelujah. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. Look at your neighbor and say, I hope Pastor ain't talking to you. <laughs> Hallelujah. Some people turn to wash shopping. Some people turn to medication. Some people take a lot of medication when they are under stress. Some people turn to drugs. Some people turn to sex. Some people turn to games. They 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 to video games. Some young men and they just turn to video game. But what who do you turn to when you are in that place of stress? In Matthew chapter eleven, verse twenty-eight to thirty, Jesus said, "One, take my one, my yoke upon you, and learn of me." Thank you, Rebecca. Let us read it. Come unto me, all ye that labor in a heavenly laden, and I will give you one rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am meek and loaded in heart, and ye shall find rest to your soul. For my yoke is easy, and my burdens are light. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. When you are stressed, turn to the one who can what? Who can give you the relief? Don't allow these things that I just named, whether it is what, whether it is alcohol, whether it is shopping, whether it is medication, whether it is drug, whether it is sex, whether whatsoever you turn to when you are in that stressful condition, you need, as a child of God, you need to who to turn to for relief. And Jesus said, Come unto me. Come to me. I'm able to take that stress and make it lighter. I'm able, I'm, I'm, I'm able to bear that. I'm able to take away that burden, that stress from your life. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Instead of you neglecting me, instead of you neglecting my presence, Instead of you neglecting my presence, saying I'm stressed, so I will lay down in my bed and in a dark room and keep myself covered up. Because some of you, you are not coming outside my room. Because I'm stressed, I will not talk to nobody. Uh, because I'm stressed, I will not do this. Because I'm stressed, I will not eat. Don't eat. Remain in bed. I will, I'm not the one who getting hungry. You will be hungry. You better get out and eat and cheer yourself on. And allow the yoke, allow Jesus to care, take that burden. Allow Jesus to take that yoke. Hallelujah. Because he's a burden, he's the one, our burden bearer. Praise the Lord. He's the yoke breaker. Hallelujah. Our God that we serve, he is mighty in battle. He does wonderful things. Praise the Lord. 
So when we are stressed, when we are going through hardships of life, when life problems hit us from RSR, we know who to turn to, and we can turn to Jesus Christ and say, Jesus, you are still Lord. In this situation, I declare you Lord. In this situation, you are still Lord of my life. You are still Lord of my family. You are Lord over this situation. This situation is not bigger than you. This situation is not hard for you. You can turn it around for your glory. Hallelujah. It is time that the church begin to wake up from our sleep. Wake up from our slumber, from our unfaithfulness, and become faithful to God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Where do you turn? If everything was taken from you and only God was left, would he be enough? (laughs) If everything was taken from you and only God, would God be enough? (laughs) It's easy to answer yes But when What I'm saying Begin to visit In reality There are many people Who call themselves church people Holy Ghost Fire baptized And you hear them yelling all night And can give you Trying to sleep Eh? Hallelujah. With me, I let you see it as it is. When that storm, when, the, when, when, when everything is taken and only God remains, can you truly say, God, you are enough? Not only you are enough, but your word says you are more than enough. And Job gave us a good lesson of that, that when everything was taken from him, he said, <laughs> he said one. He said, even though he's left me, yet I'm going to trust him. <laughs> Hallelujah. Even though he was, even though I was not going, but he didn't have that knowledge. But this man was so entrenched in God. This man was so embodied in God. That man loved God so much that even though he did not have a revelation of what was going on in his life, but he was able to make such a strong declaration that even though he slay me, yet I'm going to trust him. Even if everything is taken from me, I will see still more than enough. He's the God that is more than enough. Can we say that? Some of us, we are not tested even half of what this man tested, but we gave up on God. We gave up coming to church. We gave up serving in capacity. We gave up on our assignment. We gave up on everything. How can I be serving God and this thing happen to me? What do you mean? It should happen to all of us. It shouldn't happen to you. Why should I be serving God and God allow this to happen to me? Is that God you're asking that question? Trust him. And Job said, I'm going to trust him. 
Even by the place that he was a curse God and die, he said, you foolish, you sound like a foolish woman. I'm not going to curse God and die. If I die, I will die by myself, but I'm not going to curse the one who I trust to die. I'm not going to curse the one who I want trust to die. I rather suffer affliction. I rather suffer the hardship. I rather go through it. I'm not going to curse him to die in curse. I'm not going to deny him and die in shame. I'm not going to sell myself just to die in shame. I'm going to trust him. I'm going to continuously trust him. Church, it's time that we must trust God. If everything else is taken from us, and God alone remains, will he be enough? He is more than enough. Hallelujah. Spiritual adultery has taken over the church. A lot of people, <coughs> excuse me, a lot of us are living God. Yes, our body, we come to the physical, we come to church, but we know that we are not faithful to God. Faithfulness is not part of our vocabulary. We come to church just to go through the motions so people can see us. But you look at us spiritually, there is no degree of faithfulness to God. And God is saying to us, you should have no other God besides me because I'm a jealous God. I'm a one. I'm a jealous God. How can you run from the presence of God when David cried to be in the presence of God? When he was out of the presence of God, his desire was, when will I? When will I have the opportunity to come in his presence? And many of us, we have this opportunity now. To come and enjoy the presence of God and we flee from his presence. We run and we find all excuse to go from his presence. That's why the song said, in your presence is where I always want to be. That should be our utmost heart desire as sons and daughters of God. Let's bow our heads. Oh.